Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. If you could just turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 9 verses 14 through 17. And you can stand if, if, uh, if, you feel, if you feel like you want to stand. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. So it says, Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? So there's, uh, these are disciples of John the Baptist. They're coming up asking Jesus, why are you guys not fasting? And we are. So then Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment for that which is put in to fill it up, taketh from the garment and the rent is made worse. And verse 17, neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. So I, um, I want to focus on this scripture for the, for the beginning uh, because I've heard this scripture explained um, by uh, some, I guess, some sections of Christianity that we don't have to fast. But I want to pull something out of this, uh, and hopefully, it's, hopefully uh, we all understand and and we can learn something new. So um, if you could put your Bibles down, let's just pray real quick, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. Lord, I thank you for your power that we already feel in this place. Lord, I'm just asking that your word would penetrate our hearts and that we would go deeper in you today. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship with you and help this, uh, this foundation of fasting become a regular practice in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. There are two words in Christianity that people, when they hear them, cringe, especially in the church. Do you know what they are? Well, no, they're tithing and fasting. (laughs) Tithing and fasting. Today, I want to talk to you about fasting. Fasting is mentioned 77 different times in the Bible. 77 times for one subject. That's, that's a lot. To me, that says that God is intentional about fasting and that that should be a regular practice in our lives. I have a list of questions that I just want to read and you don't have to answer them. They're kind of rhetorical questions, but I just want you to think about these real quick. Do you hear the voice of God regularly? When you ask him a question, do you feel he answers you? Do you feel God's power at work in your life on a regular basis? Do you feel like God gives you direction on a regular basis? These are some questions that, um, that I just came up with because they, at some point in my life, those were questions I had to ask myself. And there is a solution. If you answered no to any of those questions, there is a solution. And I want to talk about that today. 
So many people, like I said, try and use this scripture at the beginning to try and justify why we don't have to fast because Jesus did say that my disciples don't have to fast right now. But there's a, there's a portion of the scripture, it's, it's verse 15. It says, uh, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them and then they shall fast. So there was a custom at work right now that Jesus was talking about. And a lot of times we read these scriptures and we don't necessarily uh, catch exactly what's being said because this was a cultural reference that Jesus was making. Did you know that you were not supposed to fast during a celebration in the nation of Israel? If somebody was getting married, you didn't fast. You celebrated, you had a feast with them. What Jesus was saying is that why would the people of the wedding party fast when we're in the middle of a celebration? Jesus was explaining, he's the bridegroom. There's no need to fast in a celebration, but there's going to be a time where the bridegroom is gone and then there will be a need to fast. So we live in the time between the first and second coming. We live in the time after Jesus was crucified and was resurrected, but before he's come back for his church. We live in the time when the bridegroom was taken. And what Jesus said here is when the bridegroom is taken, then there's a need for fasting. And that's today. Today, there is a need for fasting. You know, one thing that, that I've noticed is that fasting is one of those, uh, it's one of those subjects that's not taught a whole lot across the pulpit, but it is supposed to be a regular uh, regular principle in our walk with God. It is supposed to be something that we do on a regular basis. So after Jesus talks about that um, and says that after the bridegroom is gone, I, I wanted to explain what else he was saying before we really get into the meat of this. In verse 16, he talks about nobody puts a new piece of cloth on an old torn garment. The cloth that they used shrank when it was washed. So what he was saying is you don't, there's no point in putting a new piece of cloth on an old garment because when you wash it, the new cloth is going to shrink and just tear away. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, and this is, this is pretty awesome. Jesus was saying that uh, if, if you patch the old garment with the new cloth, it shrinks, tears away. Jesus was saying that he's not some new patch on the old law. He was saying that he's not some new fad in the midst of all this religious stuff that's going on. What he was saying is that he brings a new law, a new covenant. He's not just some new patch on an old garment, but he is an entirely new garment. And he was saying the same thing with the wineskins. You don't put uh, new wine in old wineskins because when wine is made and it's fermenting, it expands and the wineskins expand with it. If you put new wine in old skins, the wine's going to expand, but the skin is going to stay the same and it's going to break. But that's what he was saying. Jesus is not just some fad that's going to eventually destroy the law, but he is an entirely new law. He's a new covenant that he makes with us. So then, it's, thank God for the new covenant. <laughs> but, so what I really want to talk about today, though, is fasting accomplishes many, many things in our lives. There are many things. So it, it, 
it adds power to our faith. It, it sacrifices our flesh. It allows us to hear from God. It, it allows us to receive direction from God. It allows us to, um, to go further in our relationship with God. It allows us to grow closer with God. But today I just want to focus on three, three points with fasting, three main things that it accomplishes. Number one, it sacrifices our flesh. Number two, we can hear God's voice more clearly. Number three, we receive power from God. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. That scripture says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and he was explaining how he has to bring his body, he has to bring his flesh into subjection. Otherwise, he becomes a castaway. While he's preaching to others, he becomes lost. So I believe after, after studying this scripture, um, a portion of what he's talking about is he's talking about fasting. He does have to fast. We have to fast on a regular basis in order to keep our flesh under subjection. Psalms 35, 13 puts it this way. We humble ourselves with fasting. We have to bring ourselves low with fasting. Fasting and prayer are always found together. You cannot find fasting without prayer because if you fast but you don't pray, all you're doing is starving yourself. That's the truth. All you're doing is going on a hunger strike. The only way for fasting to be effective is when it's coupled with prayer. The only way to bring your flesh in subjection is to couple fasting and prayer and seeking the face of God. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about an internal struggle that we face on a daily basis as believers. We have to bring our flesh into subjection or we will become a castaway, we'll become lost. I wanna, um, I wanna give you a little example here. So we have, everybody here, you can relate to this, okay? Does anybody else feel the internal struggle on a daily basis, good and bad, fighting inside? We do. Paul, Paul also talks about, I didn't, I didn't uh, put this one in, the, uh, in my notes, but Paul also talks about how, um, I can't remember where it's at. I remember these snippets of verses, and psh, if I'm wrong, just tell me, okay? Because I think I'm right, but if I'm wrong, just tell me. So he also talks about how he's, uh, he's found another law in his members, one that wars against the other, okay? So there's an internal struggle in our lives every day. We have to decide whether we're gonna follow the flesh, whether we're gonna follow the spirit. So the example I wanna give you, imagine you have two people constantly wrestling, two people constantly grappling and fighting. You have, uh, we'll, we'll just say one's the flesh, one's the spirit, okay? Let me, uh, ooh, I don't think I'm gonna pick on anybody. So um, you have two, two people fighting, flesh and spirit. Whichever one you feed more is going to be stronger. Whichever one that, that you give the more, more nutrition to is going to be stronger. Okay? You feed the flesh more, your flesh is going to beat your spirit every time. You feed the spirit more, your, flesh is, or your, your spirit is going to beat your flesh every time. 
okay? We struggle still, even though one's, one's stronger than the other, we still struggle because your flesh is always gonna put up a fight. So what fasting essentially does when, we're, when, we, when we sacrifice our flesh, it, it allows the flesh to be diminished and the spirit to be nourished, okay? So what's happening is those, those two, two people on the inside of you that are fighting, when you, when you go on a fast, I'm not going to talk about what kind of fast you can go on. You guys can pick that. But when you go on a fast and you deny your flesh, your flesh becomes weak. And when you feed your spirit, your spirit becomes strong. It makes that struggle much easier. It makes that, that victory much easier. You're still going to struggle. Even when you're fasting, you're still going to struggle. But it allows the spirit to overcome the flesh. And that's really what we're shooting for, right? We want to walk in the spirit. We want to live after the spirit. We don't, we don't want to live after the flesh. You know, I believe, I, I firmly believe that uh, in the New Testament, when it talks about crucifying your flesh, sacrificing your flesh, I believe that a big portion of that comes from fasting. Because fasting is a very fast way to make your flesh, uh, or to bring your flesh into subjection. And I, I, I just want to tell you this. So um, when Pastor was talking about uh, uh, at, the end of, at the end of the year, he was talking about how uh, we should pray for like a, like a theme, a word, or something that God wants us to focus on for the new year. Um, I was praying about that, and I really felt like God had um, spoken to me personally about fasting for this year, which is scary. <laughs> Because again, fasting is a cringy word, but um, I really felt like God had uh, called me to fast. Um, Please excuse the personal reference. Um, And I was praying one day and I was like, God, why why do you want me to fast? And I was telling this to Tasha because this was probably the scariest answer I ever got from the Lord. (laughs) I was like, Lord, why do you want me to fast? And what he answered to me was get used to it. I was like, oh no. Oh no, here it goes. But um, I, I, the reason why is because there are, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but there are some things, some areas in your relationship with God, some areas of power, some things God cannot tell you unless you're praying and fasting. There are some places you cannot walk in your relationship with God unless you're praying and fasting. There are some areas of power that you cannot access unless there's prayer and fasting. And that's the truth. Fasting is not something that we're like, whoa, I'm going to fast all week today or all week. I'm only drinking water. Mm." No, fasting brings our flesh into subjection. And that's not fun for our flesh. We don't like that. So fasting, fasting is such a, it should be such a regular part of our walk with God. But also, so fasting gets rid of the flesh, right? That should be the first and primary goal because the other two things that, that I would like to talk about today cannot be accomplished unless our flesh is out of the way. The second one is when we fast, we can hear God more clearly. And that's the truth. Because what happens is our flesh, I think of it this way, our flesh clogs our spiritual ears. If you never fast... God will still talk to you. And a lot of times, you know what? A lot of, God talks more often than we give him credit for, right? Sometimes we, we're like, man, 
I've been asking God a question and he hasn't answered me for two months. Well, maybe he's not answering you, but have you fasted recently? That's the thing that I think about. Because we got to get our flesh out of the way in order to hear from God. Because our flesh clogs our spiritual ears. So I want to go to uh, Ezra chapter 8, verses 21. I think I'm just going to read verses 21 and 23. I'm going to skip 22. But it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. And then I'm just going to skip to verse 23. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So the first thing that Ezra did, just to give you a little backdrop, they're trying to get back to Jerusalem. The first thing that Ezra did was proclaim to fast. He's like, we need to know what God wants us to do. In verse 22, he explains why he, why he did the fast. He says that he didn't want to ask the king for horses and whatever. He wanted to rely on God. That's what Ezra said. So Ezra here proclaims a fast so that they can hear direction from God. They were, it, it specifically says what they were fasting for. They were trying to seek a way for, for our little ones, for us, for our little ones, and for all our substance. Does anybody in here need direction today? You, yeah, raise your hand if you, if you need direction. I think all of us need direction. Why don't you fast? This week, take this week and fast and seek the face of God. I guarantee you, if you fast this week, God's going to talk to you. Guaranteed. In some form or fashion, God will speak to you when you fast. So the children of Israel were trying to find a way back to Jerusalem. They didn't want to rely on man's efforts. They wanted God to lead and deliver them. They did make it to Jerusalem, and the scripture actually says, if you continue to read, that the Lord was upon them and delivered them out of the hands of their enemies because they fasted and sought the face of God for direction. When we fast, we can hear God more clearly and get direction in our lives. You know, there are numerous examples of this in scripture that uh, for, for time's sake, I just didn't even put them in my notes. But in the book of Acts, there are multiple times that they fasted because they needed God's direction. Paul, or not Paul, um, one of the disciples, I can't remember who it is. If you know it, just shout it out. Fasted when he was, when they were trying to select leaders for the church. They fasted when they were trying to find direction for the church. They fasted and fasted and fasted and God led them. Because when we fast, when we kill our flesh, which is not fun, God will speak. God will lead. So, if you seem to have a hard time hearing the voice of God, fast. If you're looking for direction, fast. If you have questions and don't feel like God's answering you, fast. And if you think God's calling you to do something, fast. Fasting gets our flesh out of the way so we can hear God. It doesn't mean that God's going to re reveal the entire plan, but what it does mean, so let me say it this way. God doesn't withhold what we're supposed to do from us. God doesn't keep it a mystery. He might not reveal the entire plan, but he will tell you what you need to do right now. And if you don't know what you're supposed to do right now, fast and pray.
The third thing I wanted to talk about is power is added to our faith when we fast. You know, I, during worship, I was thinking about, um, does anybody know who the weeping prophet is in the Old Testament? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Um, I, I, like to, I like to read his scripture. I think God revealed a lot of really cool things to Jeremiah. Um, one of my favorite examples, I think I mentioned it last time um, that I preached, but was, uh, I think it was Jeremiah. Maybe I'm mis, misquoting it, but was it Jeremiah that went down to the potter's house? It was Jeremiah, not Nehemiah, right? It's Jeremiah. That's probably one of my favorite scriptures. But Jeremiah also said something that has stuck with me forever. Um, and I read this scripture when I was probably like 11, and I'll never forget it. But when Pastor last week was talking about Awaken, talking about personal revival, um, I, hope, I hope we've all taken that very seriously. Because it's true, the only way that revival is going to come collectively is if we each have our own personal revival. Do you know how to have your own personal revival? Pray, read the word, and fast. <laughs> Pray, read the word, and fast. But uh, Jeremiah said something, um, and it's probably, it's quoted very, very, very much. Uh, it's when Jeremiah was having a terrible time, he was like, Everything was going wrong. Nobody was listening to him. He got to a point in his ministry where he did not even want to preach, okay? And he's telling God this. I don't even want to preach. But then he follows that up with, but thy word is a fire shut up in my bones, and I can't hold it in anymore. That's, I guess, our, our, our um, uh, translation or whatever in our language today. But... I think that, wouldn't that be an amazing place to be in God, where even though everything is, seems to be going wrong, but we're so on fire for God that his word is like a fire shut up in our bones and we can't hold it in? Isn't that such an amazing place to be? That would be so awesome to, to have that feeling every day that, you know what, even though something's going wrong, I'm still going to witness to somebody. Even though something's going wrong, I'm still going to talk to somebody about how good God is. But power is added to our faith when we fast. Matthew chapter 17. Okay. A man brings his son to Jesus because he had a demon in him. And the demon would try and throw him in the fire and try and drown this young man. And uh, the I think Matthew doesn't go in as detailed as some of the other gospels, but the man comes to Jesus and says, hey, I've had the disciples pray for my son. I've had people pray for my son and nobody can cast out this demon. And the man is, he's distraught because this demon is trying to kill his son. So he says that the demon's been throwing him in, wa in fire and water and the disciples prayed, but nothing happened. And so Jesus looks at it, looks at uh, looks at everybody and he says something that he says a lot in the New Testament, oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> so he casts out the demon, easy. Jesus is like, all right, come out. Guy's healed right away. Guy's in his right mind. And uh, so they go on their way a little bit. And in another, in another gospel, the, uh, the disciples come, it says that the, when he separated himself, the disciples came to him and asked him, hey, we tried that. Why couldn't we do it? And this is, what, this is what Jesus said. Matthew 17, verses 18 through 21. 
And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall move, say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall, be, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then 21 says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. But by prayer and fasting. So what, what Jesus was trying to explain, I said it a little bit earlier, but there are some areas of power you cannot walk in unless you're praying and fasting. Because there are some things that your spirit cannot handle unless your flesh is diminished and your spirit is strengthened. And this was one of those things that Jesus was saying. So that's why Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus began his ministry, he began with 40 days of prayer and fasting. He started with 40 days of prayer and fasting. But these scriptures remind me of something that I heard at Winter Youth this year. At Winter Youth, Brother Meyer, our youth president, preached a message. Uh, it was probably my favorite message. And the title of it was The Cost of Greater. Okay, the theme was, was greater. We were believing God for greater things and uh, greater moves of his power, greater demonstrations of his spirit. And he preached on the cost of greater because there is a cost. And he said that everybody wants to be great. Isn't that true? Does everybody want to be great in here? Everybody want to be excellent? Everybody wants to be great, but nobody wants to put the work in. I was like, well, it's kind of true. And he gave an example of, uh, of Brother Stone King, Brother Lee Stone King. Everybody know who that is? Okay. Brother Lee Stone King's powerful evangelist, prophet of God. And uh, he, he said, everybody wants that anointing and that power that Brother Stone King operates in. But nobody knows that since the time he was 21, he went to work, came home, ate dinner, and prayed for five hours every night. Nobody wants to do that, but everybody wants the anointing. And so um, I looked up a segment on prayer and fasting, and I found a clip of Brother Stone King talking about it. And I thought this was really cool. I showed this to Tanya and Rob and Tasha. Um, I was going to like bring it and play it, but uh, it was like five minutes long and I just wanted to give you the short of it. Because five minutes feels like an eternity when you're sitting there watching a video clip. Trust me. So I looked up this segment on Brother Stone King and he said something really cool. He said, if you pray one hour a day for an entire year, you find somehow manage to carve out one hour every day and you pray for 365 days, you will have prayed, um, you will have prayed for 16 days total. That's crazy. That's like two weeks and two days of straight praying all year after you total it up over the two years. And he also said, if you fast one day a week for the entire year, just one day, if you fast one day a week for the entire year, you will have fasted one month and 22 days total almost two months of fasting and two weeks of straight prayer for just one year. Could you imagine if you did that for 20 years? Good Lord, you're building up so much equity in the spirit. But this is what he said. The key to being used by God is consistency. Consistency 
is the number one way you can be used by God. And then he went in and broke down the whole prayer and fasting thing. And he said, if you are consistent in your prayer and fasting, one hour a day of prayer, one day a week with fasting, and you fasted this for a year, he said, there is no way that God does not know who you are. He said, if you are, if you're doing this every year, there is no way God does not know who you are. The scripture that Brother Stone King used was James 4, uh, James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And then verse 10 is the big one. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The act of drawing closer to God comes with prayer, fasting, and the reading of the word. Submitting yourself to God, verse 7, can only happen when the flesh is out of the picture. Brother Stone King also said this, and I'm a banker, so I found this very interesting. Um, he said, when you're consistently praying and fasting, you're putting money. It's like putting money into a bank account. It's like your paycheck. You just put money into a bank account. When you need that money, you can write a check, swipe your debit card, come in, withdraw it, but it's in the account. That's how it is with prayer and fasting. He said, when you pray and you fast, you're putting spiritual resources into your spiritual bank account. And when you're called on to pray for the sick, when you're called on to witness to somebody, when you're called on to operate in the gifts of the spirit, your spiritual check will not bounce because you have resources in your spiritual account. I thought that was, that's, that's, a, very interesting, that's a very interesting analogy because I also thought while he was talking about that of, um, I think it was Peter, Peter and somebody else, their shadows would heal people. Why, I thought to myself, why does that not happen now? Why can't, why can't we just walk past somebody and our shadow heal them? And then I started to think about Brother Stone King's analogy of they had so much equity, so many resources built up in this spiritual account from days, honestly, days of prayer, fasting, seeking the face of God, uh, ministering to people. They had, they had so much equity built up in the spiritual account that it was running over. When they would walk past people, their shadow would heal, other, would heal the lame. And, and I thought, that, that's just so crazy to me, but it can happen. It can still happen. So I know talking about fasting, not necessarily a, a shouting jumping around, hooping and hollering message. But fasting is important. And fasting is not talked about enough. The, the true, you know, this week, I encourage everybody to fast. And I dare you to just see what God will do. I dare you. Because God's going to show up, and he's going to show out. And he's going to do what only he can do. You know, we can stand. I'm, I'm going to bring it to a close. But on the way to Winter Youth, I just want to tell you this story. And again, forgive the personal stories. They're the only ones I know how to tell. 
the uh, on the way to Winter Youth, um, Tasha and I were driving, and it was just Tasha and I and Lakin in the car, uh, and Tegan. Tegan was with us, and uh, it was it was kind of icy because uh, it it was like snowing, and it was still kind of warm, but enough to kind of freeze. So we were uh, we were driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, I hit a patch of ice. And I went into the shoulder, and I'm like, this is going to be terrible. And I came out of the shoulder, still sliding, fishtailing back and forth between these two lanes. This was on 94 on the way to Madison. Fishtailing between these lanes, and I'm thinking, here it is. Like, you know, I was scared. And Tasha, do you know what she did? Tasha just said, in Jesus' name. And that car straightened up. I have never seen that happen in my life. And all I could do, I started crying. And I said, God, you just saved our life. We could have easily flown off the highway. We could have easily flipped the car or, you know, done whatever. But Jesus saves lives. And you know what I believe? I believe that that happens because of my wife's personal prayer, fasting, and Bible reading time that she was able to call on the name of Jesus and Jesus did a miracle because I was out of control. Honestly, there was no way I was bringing this back myself. You know, the car was pretty much sideways going down these two lanes. Thank God nobody was around me. I, had, I would have slammed into every single one of them cars out there. But God still does miracles. God still heals the sick. God still... Uh, saves our lives on a daily basis. But I say all this to say that we need prayer, fasting, and Bible reading so that when those situations do come up in our lives and we need a miracle and we need to call on the name of Jesus, there are spiritual resources that are able to be used from our time, our personal devotion. Amen. If we could all bow our heads, I just want... The only thing that, that needs to happen right now is a new, a new commitment, a new consecration to fasting. Like I said, I don't, I don't think fasting is talked about enough. I don't think we preach enough about it. Not this church, I'm just talking in general. But God does some miraculous, amazing things through, through fasting. So I just... I ask right now that you would pray that God would lead you to do something this week, some kind of fast, some, whether it's you're only drinking water for a day or whether it's um, doing a Daniel's fast or you're you know, doing whatever. You know, the word fasting, I looked it up in the Greek and the Hebrew, and all it means is to abstain from, from food either partially or in whole or abstain from, from liquids or whatever. That's all fasting means. But when you couple it with prayer, that's when it becomes a spiritual application. That's when it becomes a, a, a commitment between you and God where God can work and God can talk to you. So I just, as we close, I just want you to pray that God would lead you to a fast this week. That God would put a desire in each and every one of us to fast. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you today. God, we magnify you. I'm asking right now, Jesus, that you would 
put it in our hearts to fast. Lord, give us us a strong desire to fast, whatever it is. Jesus, I ask that, that you would give us direction as we fast, that you would talk to us, God, that that our flesh would be diminished and that, that you would be lifted up in our lives. God, I'm asking right now, Jesus, that your spirit would move like it's never done before in our lives. Let your power be made manifest. And God, as we fast this week, I'm asking that you would lead us to somebody to witness to. I'm asking that you would minister to us in a way that we've never seen before. Jesus, we love you. We worship you, God. Lord, you are so mighty. You've done so many miracles. Jesus, we trust you for those today. God, I ask right now that you would call us to a personal revival, that you would call us to a renewed a renewed interest in in your word, a renewed interest in prayer, a renewed interest in fasting, Jesus. God, we just want more of you. And if there's anybody here who wants more of Jesus, I invite you down to this front, to this altar. I invite you to come down and seek, seek the face of God. Not just like a passive, you know, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've done. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. But to really seek the face of God, because when you, when you seek, you can't passively look for something. Seeking is not, oh, I lost my keys. I don't see them right here. I guess they're gone forever. That's not seeking. Seeking is truly pursuing the face of God. Actively chasing down the face of God. And when you make a commitment to fast... You're making a commitment to seek the face of God. You're no longer living in that passive, you know, well, I guess I'll look for God over here and if he's not here, whatever. No, when you decide to fast, you make a commitment that, Lord, I'm coming after you, whatever you want. I'm I'm seeking you. I'm gonna look for you everywhere that I can. And God will show up in Jesus' name.